I invite you to listen to these words from Paramahansa Yogananda's book, A Prayer Demands, Whispers from Eternity. The sunbeams of thy love shine equally on all the members of thy cosmic family, whether prophet, hero, villain, tiny moth, or me. It is our own fault if we make ourselves opaque by our own mental and emotional dullness. Teach us to wipe away the dirt of error from the windows of our understanding. Our arms are weak for the task, owing to our long inner spiritual resistance. O Master Cleanser, lend power to our efforts that we may wipe away every last spot that clings to our minds, obscuring our transparency and preventing free entry to the light. O make us fully clean again, invisible in our egos, because transmitting only visions of thy beauty, which lies within us. So I don't know about you, but this reading from St. John from the Bible is mysterious, to say the least. You know, I think, and Swami Kriyananda explains it pretty easily for us, that the mind can't really understand that the light shineth in darkness and the darkest comprehended it not. Um, I think many of us have read that passage, I don't know, a hundred times, and still vaguely have an idea what is really meant by it. But I want to actually explore this from another angle, um, an additional perspective, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy it, um, because I usually don't talk on this topic the way I'm going to talk. So you get to be uh, uh, my guinea pigs. Uh, no, that's probably not the right illustration. Um, but you know, for many decades now, neuroscientists have explored in deepening and more refined ways the understanding of how our brains function and how our nervous system functions. And actually there's a field called neurotheology now because of really taking that understanding from science and integrating, moving it into the realm of spirituality. Because there is no disconnect. It is completely integrated and understood, but not by a whole lot of people. And so what I'll share with you hopefully will help the understanding of um, the topic today, but also give you the sense of the benefits of moving forward personally in your own life. Because I want to first acknowledge the wonderful uh, impetus of understanding this more and more from the scientific perspective from our own Dr. Peter Van Houten, who is a member here at Ananda. He's also an Ananda Light Bear Minister and Ananda Kriyacharya. But as a physician, he has explored a lot of this uh, about the brain and so forth to the degree that he had a workshop and articles called Engineered for Divinity, Our Human Brain. But I want to explore parts of what has been uncovered in the research in this way that help us understand how the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth not. Because we're designed to really go beyond the mundane world with who we are, with our brain and our nervous system. It is the place we're going to operate day to day, moment to moment, is in this mundane world. 
But we have choices all along the way of what can happen and how we can move where we want to go to to ultimately find fulfillment. It's interesting that the brain is set up so that where you choose to go is where you'll end up, maybe through a lot of tests and struggles. But the way it's set up is that if you focus on finding God, you will draw to you from the brain's operating manual the experience of God. It's not just an affirmation. It's not just, in a sense, um, a spiritual hope. It is that, but it is the way that the brain functions will bring us to those experiences. Now, granted, some people will have those experiences of vision, spiritual experiences, without heading down the path towards them. And this is due to karma. This is good karma from past lives where suddenly we have a deep experience. But what we want to do is cooperate with divine grace so that divine experience is more of who we are all the time. But when we choose to really endeavor to be compassionate to others, an interesting thing happens is that there is a sense of compassion opening up to the world around us. When we act as that instrument, when we acknowledge that this can happen through me, that the world is affected by that. But interesting enough, it's kind of like the light shining in darkness. Sometimes the darkness will not comprehend our compassion. You probably experienced that. But what's interesting is that your brain is going to move towards a more positive, expansive experience or move towards or move away from that. And it's moving one way or the other. Now, we talk about that frequently from the spiritual perspective that both Yogananda and Swami Kriyananda have spoken of. But it's interesting, the brain functions that way completely. So what happens is that if you, for instance, have um, a focus of an authoritarian uh, religion, or that can apply in other directions, and you can see it really applied today in politics. But if you're, if you're engaged and tuning into that, your brain starts to have the response of fear and anger. And as you feed it with more aggressiveness and hostility, you actually start to damage parts of your brain, the parts that are designed to tune into grace. I mean, that's from my spiritual perspective, adding a layer on to the neuroscientists. But essentially, that's, in different words, what they're describing as well. And what happens is that the brain starts to shut down areas of the brain when we're in hostility and anger. And what curiously happens, which ties in today's reading, is that as the brain moves in that direction, it starts to be, in its relationship to others, 
more punitive, more blameful, more separating and accusatory. And that energy just feeds into greater separation, greater anger, greater hostility. Until you're like the darkness that cannot comprehend the light. It cannot, on its terms at that point, deal with the light. It cannot deal with goodness. I mean, you've probably had this happen to you with people um, where you're being naturally good, kind, and people think you're doing that with ulterior motives. They're looking at it as, you're out to get something from this, aren't you? Why else would you be doing this? Because remember, their reference point is in a contractive dark hole, basically. Now granted, now this is ironic in a way, that for us, when we are being compassionate kind to others, we actually do have an ulterior motive. And that's to live more in God. But it's not the way that they're taking the ulterior motive. Um, they're thinking it as that you're trying to gain something and I'm, trying to, I'm going to lose because of that. Isn't that what's a lot happening if you read anything in the news these days? That you know, there's a win-loss dynamics going on. And that's what happens when those parts of the brain start to be fed that have a contractive nature to them. And that fear, that hostility, that anger will dominate. But for all of us, what we're emphasizing, what we're moving towards, but also realistically we're moving in already, is that we're opening to those greater possibilities of expansion. Our hearts know when that's happening in an expansive way. Our hearts know the pain when we become contractive and we separate from others. It's like we've got a, a barometer if we only pay attention to it. In the moment when we start to react with a negative energy to someone, perhaps someone that's just really, really well developed in pushing our buttons, that we can, at that point, choose where our energy is, where our connection is. And granted, some of us may immediately have that immediate reaction that isn't what we want, necessarily. But you know, those are the opportunities to suddenly back off and say, where am I going with this? Where do I really want to go? in the situation with this person. I mean, we're given the gifts that are almost immediate in changing what's happening with our brain. You know, they say that when you have a negative response, like anger, it takes something like, I forget the actual number, but it's documented in research studies maybe a few seconds that it really has an impact on your physiology, the adrenaline, other things. And 
what happens to most people is that it continues to be an impact. Beyond what it's doing to your physiology, we hold on to it. We're almost attached to that stream of negativity. It is in that stream of negativity, not the stress impact itself necessarily, that really warps us. It takes us for a ride that can really be down the wrong direction we want to go. And so we have many tools that really can change that reactor process and not only just neutralize it, but move in the right direction we want to go in. But it does, just like with all our efforts, it takes training, it takes awareness with that training, it takes an intention that allows us to go where we really want to go, but then we activate it with energy and consciousness to make it happen. Because we all know, maybe not in this lifetime, hopefully, but in other lifetimes, we know what the pain is in the heart when someone has decided not to be in a relationship with us, whether it's a friendship or more intimate relation, whatever, that we know that pain. It, it's, it's been real to a lot of us. Um, and if we grow up uh, listening to music at any point in our lives, you know, most music is about that. Uh, most songs are about that. So what we get caught by is there is real pain, mainly because we're invested in wanting something to happen, we're attached to an outcome, we have desires, and those are thwarted. And when they're thwarted, we feel we're at a loss. Something has been taken from us. We're less than what we'd hoped for in terms of finding happiness. And of course, the readings today, both the affirmation and the raised reading, give very strong understandings that happiness doesn't come from the things that we desire, but more the unfoldment of who we are in the deeper experience of that divine flow. And then that divine flow can be in every aspect of what we previously would have thought, thought of and sought as happiness. But it's a carrot on the stick situation that happiness is going to be elusive. Or what happens, which really gets us actually even more entangled, is that we get a touch of happiness through these outward experiences. And we think, it must be real. It must be true. I can feel it. But it's like a mirage. Kind of looks like it's real. But as we get closer, it disappears. And so what we can do in our lives is make sure we're going to the center. Naiswami Jyotish spoke on this recently, but what we can do is go to our center where meditation allows us to be more in a unitive experience of consciousness. And then if we add the elements of, of the intention of opening our hearts, not to get something in return, that, that likely will happen, of course. But really with the intention of saying, I'm an instrument to bless others. Because in that blessing, we really feel more the unitive experience once more. 
then we start to affect other people. It's, it's said from uh, the neuroscientists that it takes about a nanosecond for you to be in the presence of someone very angry to be affected in a negative way. That's amazing that it's that instant of an occurrence. But fortunately, it goes the other direction as well. That if we're a smile millionaire, if we and then have a deeper experience beyond the smile millionaire part and feel the heart open with a sense of support for others, of care, of compassion for others, then people will resonate with that. Not so much those that are trapped in darkness, but the understanding that I have from this spiritually and scientifically to some degree is that what we're doing to those people that are really in the darkness that comprehend the light, that can't comprehend the light, is that we're touching their soul nature. And that will always resonate. It may come at times further down the road as an expression, of, as an experience for them. But don't think it's a waste that they're not responding right away. Who knows what karma they're dealing with? But we're nurturing, we're watering the soul, that soul nature within others and creating a sense of, again, unity from that deeper level, not that superficial level. Indeed, the peace and harmony prayer of Yoganantas is one of the most obvious, powerful, experiences that a lot of us have had. I mean, we did it as a community as a priority um, for a year uh, at each public service, each public meditation, and in our own private meditations. But I thought, you know, I'm going to continue doing it. And so I do it four or five times every day still, as is recommended. Because I know from my own experience, this is just like meditation, a direct way to bring intention and awareness into that compassion that's an experience for not only me, but those around me. And that's when those in darkness start to comprehend, or at least feel a little, that light is real for them, that they're open to that experience. And this is not just a hopeful wish on our part. This is what happens. We know it because we're touched by the masters in that way. We know it because we're touched by others in that way. Um, I, I posted a new photo of me on Facebook. Now, I, I don't really deal with Facebook, so um, I think the last time I posted was about a year and a half ago. So you see how diligent I am about being on social media. Um, but I changed my photograph because our beloved friend Barb Bingham uh, took a photo, both of Parvi and myself, last spring. So I finally got around to thinking, yeah, I should post this on Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, but it was sweet, all the responses, and some of you responded, which was very touching. But this one person, who I don't know, he's from India, said, what a smile millionaire. And I thought, he's able to say that 
not because of, of what I've done, because in himself, he, he has been touched. He knows that experience of being a smile millionaire himself. And isn't that what we all are really endeavoring to be, is full of joy, full of that love, and full of that light, so that we can be smile millionaires with that light, with that love, and with that joy. So take to heart, really live in this experience. Know that your brain is engineered to help you to be expansive and unitive. And when you get caught by a reactive process, just find the tools, the peace and harmony prayer, deep breathing, offering a flower at the altar, whatever of the variety of possibilities lie before each one of us. Do something that moves the energy, moves the consciousness, and moves our heart to be inclusive, to be supportive. And that compassion will rule the day for you and those around you. Blessings. Kriyananda wrote this song, Free at Last, for a scene in the play, The Peace Treaty, that took place after a clan's long battle for freedom. We can apply its message to our own personal battles for inner freedom. Joy in every eye be seen.